People live frustrated lives because they keep chasing what they think is their calling. The truth is, your calling will chase you. Medical education is my calling. This is Clinical Pearls. Let me be completely honest and just very transparent with you guys, okay? And this is part of my own bias when I'm looking at the article set for the maintenance of certification from the American Board of OBGYN, not just for this last release in 2022, but for any release in the past. And I see something about geriatric gynecology or elder abuse. My first bias is, oh, that totally doesn't relate to me. My population is young reproductive age. And that's totally true. Except when I'm called on call to the ER for an elderly patient who has weird vaginal bleeding, not related to a uterine malignancy concern, but due to a laceration thought to be due from sex, or when she has weird bruising on the inner thighs, and somebody calls me and says, hey, I think this nearly incapacitated elderly patient is being abused. So even though you may think, oh, elder abuse in women's health, that doesn't really apply to me because I have a young reproductive age population, you never know what's going to walk into the doors when you're on call. So in this session, I'm going to highlight and summarize some of the key points of one of our maintenance of certification articles from the American Board of OBGYN. This article comes out of the first set of Q1 for 2022, and the title is Elder Abuse and Women's Health, and it actually is ACOG Committee Opinion number 824. So regardless of what you might think about elder abuse and women's health, and maybe it doesn't relate to your population, I'm telling you, I learned something from this committee opinion because some of the stats in here are just frightening and they're heartbreaking. And we really do need to be able to identify and see these warning signs when we see these patients either in our office or the ER. Ready? Let's get to the MOC article now. Well, the committee opinion starts right off the bat with a striking statistic. And I find this just heartbreaking. According to the college and national statistics, as many as 1 in 10 older adults has been the victim of elder abuse. More than 65% of elder abuse victims are women. So guys, that's why it has to do with our discipline because we're likely going to be the ones to see this. So we've got to be able to recognize this. Elder abuse, of course, is defined as, quote, a single or repeated act or lack of appropriate actions which causes harm, risk of harm, or distress to an individual 60 years or older. And it usually occurs either within a relationship where there is an expectation of trust or when the targeted act is directed towards the individual just by virtue of age or disability alone. Here's something that we just can't forget. It's estimated that for every case of elder abuse that's reported to some agency or group, 23 cases are undetected. So screening for elder abuse has to be the critical first step for OBGYNs, particularly for older women who are more vulnerable or who are less inclined to discuss these kind of issues with their healthcare providers. So we've got to be the ones to initiate this conversation. But wait, there's more good news. I mean that sarcastically, because this number also makes me very sad. Look, I plan to live a very long life, and I don't want this statistic to be for me. 
A major risk factor for elder abuse is cognitive impairment. So remember this for the MOC. Approximately 50% of adults older than age 85 are cognitively impaired. Now, of course, that's a loaded statement because cognitive impairment has a wide spectrum, right? From mild impairment to severe impairment. But 85 years old or older, half of those are going to have some cognitive impairment. Yikes. Depression and anxiety are highly prevalent among older adults and are the, by themselves risk factors for abuse. Also, social isolation adds an increased risk of things like decreased lifespan and increased morbidity. Do y'all get that? Just being isolated socially, that sound familiar? Like during quarantine or pandemic? That can actually decrease lifespan for these elderly patients. And we're moving on. Now, this is why people look at guidelines and they just kind of scoff at some things sometimes because it just doesn't make any sense. Like the statement from the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force back in 2018. Yep, the task force stated, The evidence of the benefits and risks for screening of elder abuse is insufficient to make a recommendation. What? That's horrible. So basically he said, yeah, we know what happens. I don't know. Data, not really there. You can't ask if you want to. Well, that's not what ACOG says, and I personally don't agree with that at all. ACOG goes on to say that despite the conclusion from the U.S. Preventive Service Task Force, ACOG supports screening of patients older than age 60 to help identify victims of abuse and provide them with appropriate medical and psychosocial care and referral. Hey, by the way, I'm not picking on the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force, okay? I mean, I actually have good friends that sit on that panel. Then they rotate providers, but I've got friends there. Uh, Nothing wrong with them. I'm just saying sometimes some of the recommendations or guidelines that they give kind of make you scratch your head. And also, remember, of course, that when cases of abuse are confirmed, most states mandate that healthcare providers report that case to adult protective services. Here's something to also remember for the MOC partnering or having a referral relationship with social workers, nurses, and psychiatrists for outpatient referrals is an important step for healthcare providers in screening for and caring for patients of elder abuse. So remember those, social workers, nurses, and psychiatrists. Now let's get into some specific hows as to how to do this elder mistreatment assessment. And you're going to want to remember this for the MOC. Remember to interview the patient separately from family members and caregivers because we got to be aware that sometimes they may be the abusers. Also, it's important to start with general open-ended questions and progress then to more specific questions. It's also important to note inconsistencies or frequent changing of stories. It's also important to observe the patient's reactions to accompanying family members or caregivers. So when you ask a question and they look at the family caregiver kind of in a sheepish way, that's a flag. Remember, observe patient's reactions to accompanying family members or caregivers. And lastly, always remain empathetic when doing this elder mistreatment assessment. Okay, when we come back, let's get into the specific types because there's five different types of abuse and we're going to do this rapid fire really quickly and we're going to make sure once again that you're ready for your MOC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey, 
Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Boom, let's do this rapid fire. There's five kinds of abuse, all right? So let's say you're in the hot seat taking your oral boards and somebody says, tell me, candidate X, Y, or Z, what are the five different kinds of elder abuse? Now, first of all, that'd be really, really just nitpicky because who the heck is going to remember that? But you can kind of, just based on logic, put these together, right? Number one, there's going to be neglect. Two, it's going to be emotional or psychological abuse. And of course, if there's emotional or psychological abuse, the next follow that there'd be possibly some physical abuse. Well, physical abuse doesn't make itself too far away from sexual abuse. So sexual abuse is the fourth type of abuse. And then the fifth doesn't even have to do with any direct harm to the patient, but indirect harm, like taking their money or their retirement checks or their Medicaid checks or however that works. I don't know. So that is a financial or material abuse or exploitation. Okay, so remember the five neglect, emotional slash psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and then financial or material abuse. Now that we've covered the five different types of elder abuse, let's just quickly go through some of the quick signs or flags on examination that may point to one of these types of abuse or, of course, a combination thereof. Some of the flags on examination that may point to neglect are, and remember, you don't have to memorize these. These just make sense, right? I mean, if there's dehydration or malnutrition, there's poor hygiene, or there's pressure ulcers, remember that, that could be a potential sign for neglect. What about for emotional or psychological abuse? Well, here's something that's very important, as we just touched on a little while ago, about things like social isolation. Because enforced social isolation are examples of emotional and psychological abuse. Now, this is such an important issue because it just proves how much of a social animal we all really are. I mean, we need connectivity. That's one of our main inner desires, right? I don't care how much of a loner you think you are. We're designed, we're meant for, we're built for social connectiveness. This is why during the pandemic, times of social isolation really were very dangerous because of this. Now, remember, it's not just forced isolation, like punishing an elderly person, you know, giving them a silent treatment. That's a form of enforced social separation. But it could be a medical reason. Let's say an elderly patient has a stroke or a TIA, and they go into a assisted living facility. Well, that separation from friends or family, that social isolation can actually put them into depression. So this social isolation as part of emotional or psychological abuse is something that we have to be very careful about and very attuned to. Another clinical flag or signal on examination that may point to physical abuse is if the patient declines a full examination. Now, I know what you're thinking. Now, what if she's just shy or modest? That's true. But remember, put things all in the bigger clinical picture. Patients who decline a full examination or who has physical injuries like bruises on the neck, upper back, or extensive burns or multiple pressure ulcers or scratches or even fractures, or if they cower when approached, those could be flags of physical abuse. Now, in that same vein, think about physical markers that just seem out of place, like in the genital or the rectal area that could point, then, to sexual abuse. So on examination, some flags are vaginal bleeding or discharge or genital lesions, that's a flag, rectal trauma, bruised inner thighs, buttocks, or 
breasts or stained undergarments. Those are all potential markers. Remember, I didn't say sing quinone without a doubt, because there could be other explanations for it, but they could be markers for sexual abuse. And lastly, let's just touch on financial or material abuse and exploitation. Financial or material abuse of the elderly includes the illegal or improper use of an elderly individual's funds, property, or assets. And with that, we have wrapped up the committee opinion on elder abuse and women's health. Once again, this is out of Q1 2022 ABOG's maintenance of certification list. Well, as always, we're thankful for you. And remember to spread the word about Clinical Pearls because we're looking to grow. We'll see you all next time on Clinical Pearls.